Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. This week's story is The Three Billy Goats Gruff. Here we go. When Michael came home from school, he was uncharacteristically downcast. What's wrong with you? asked Nanny Piggins. Did they force you to eat vegetables again at school? Michael had a very enthusiastic young teacher who had recently graduated from Teachers College. She had brought in carrot sticks the previous week to share with her class as a snack. Michael actually hadn't minded the carrot sticks. They were too bad. But Nanny Piggins was horrified when she found out. She had a grudge against carrots because so many people insisted on grinding them up and putting them into cake. The number of times she thought she was sinking her teeth into a lovely piece of cake, only to realise, as it hit her taste buds, that someone had put a carrot in it. She strongly felt there should be laws against it. If people were going to insist on eating vegetables, that was fine. It was none of her business. But to sneak them into cake was just wrong. No one had ever snuck cake into a carrot, so why should carrots be allowed to do the reverse? No, that's not it, said Michael. The teacher wants to put on a play. Oh, said Nanny Piggins. She quite liked to play herself. She enjoyed all forms of performance. But perhaps it was a dull play. It's not one of those old-fashioned plays with lots of forsooths and tisants and absolutely nobody getting blasted out of a cannon by that Shakespeare fellow, is it? No, it's not that bad, said Michael. She wants us to perform the story of The Three Billy Goats Gruff. Oh, said Nanny Piggins. And she's cast me as the troll, said Michael. Oh, I see, said Nanny Piggins. And you're disappointed because you wanted to play the role of one of the pigs. There are no pigs in the story of the three Billy Goats Gruff, Derek pointed out. Pish, said Nanny Piggins. That's only because a human wrote it down. And you know humans are dreadfully piggist. No, the three Billy Goats Gruff wasn't about goats at all. It was about two pigs and a bear. What? said Derek, which was really quite rude of him. He should have said, I beg your pardon. But sometimes Nanny Piggins said the most shocking things. All the manners flew clean out of his head. It's an ancient Norse story originally, explained Nanny Piggins, and pig must have been harder to spell than goat in ancient Norse, so the human who wrote it down just changed it. You know how shockingly lazy writers are. They're the most amoral people. It's why there are absolutely no fairy tales about platypuses or echidnas, because they're so much harder to spell than things like wolves and frogs. The children thought about this for a moment. They knew it most likely wasn't true, but they didn't like to say so out loud. It would be much more interesting hearing Nanny Pickens tell her version of the story than hear her rail about the prejudice against hard-to-spell animals. Samantha cleverly guided the conversation this way. So how does the story really go? Actually, said Nanny Pickens, the story was originally about three relatives of mine, said Nanny Pickens. Really, said Derek. 
It was amazing how many fairy tales were apparently based on Nanny Piggins' relatives. It seems unbelievable to someone who'd never met a member of Nanny Piggins' family, but the children had met several of them, and they were such spectacularly dramatic people, they accepted it was possible that this one family had inspired so many great events in world storytelling. Oh yes, said Nanny Piggins. It all started with my great-great-great-times 28 greats Aunt Agnetha and her no-good brother Hamwell and her lovely brother Horace. That's a coincidence, said Michael. You've got brothers with similar names, Bramwell and Boris. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. It's amazing how history repeats itself. Anyway, as you know, life was dreadfully hard in the olden story days. People were forever having to chop wood, build houses out of structurally unsound materials like gingerbread or straw, and walk through forests fighting off wolves. It was exhausting and hard work. So naturally, Agnetha and her brothers got very hungry. Sometimes just getting out of bed in the morning makes you so hungry, you have to eat 28 chocolate chip pancakes just to overcome the trauma, said Michael. I know, said Nanny Piggins. Luckily, I'm very brave and prepared to do what it takes. But Agnetha and her brothers were living this brutal existence, and it was getting increasingly hard for them to find enough food to eat. As you know, fairy tales are always set in forests by rivers, which is fine if you want to eat mushrooms or tree bark or sashimi. But chocolate and cake does not grow on trees. Oh my goodness, how did they survive? wailed Boris. Well, they nearly didn't, said Nanny Piggins. They were wasting away from having to eat healthy, balanced meals made out of fresh ingredients. It was unendurable. It was only because Agnetha's great strength of character that she was able to go on. There was no real food anywhere to be had. Just when things were getting so unbearable, Agnetha thought that she'd have to give up and do something desperate, like eat an apple. A new shop opened on the far side of the river. And that shop was a bakery. They could smell it from their house, and Agnetha's sense of smell was so acute that she could identify every item on the menu just by sniffing. (laughs) Why, they have lemon tarts, pan au chocolat, apricot danishes, chocolate eclairs, custard slice, and pink cupcakes. How could she tell the cupcakes were pink just by sniffing, asked Michael. How can you not, demanded Nanny Piggins. We can't, confessed Derek. Nanny Piggins shook her head sadly. How the human species manages to survive with such poor sensory perception is beyond me. Anyway, Agnetha's and her brothers ran towards the smell of this divine new cake shop, desperate to taste its wonderful creations. They ran through the forest, getting closer and closer to the aroma, all the way down to the river. And that's when they saw the beautiful cake shop, La Patisserie Delicioso. The smell was almost overpowering. It was so heavenly, Agnetha was seriously concerned that she had died in her sleep and that she was now standing in heaven. The only problem was to get to the cake shop, they had to cross the river. To cross the river, they needed to go over the bridge. And no one ever crossed over the bridge because a troll lived underneath it. Oh dear, said Boris. What exactly is a troll? asked Samantha. 
That's something that's been lost through the course of time, said Nanny Piggins. These days, a troll is a sad, pathetic person who goes on the internet and says mean things to other people to make themselves feel better about their sad, empty lives. But in the olden story days, it was different. Trolls were sad, angry people who lived under bridges and were permanently grumpy because living under an open structure next to a damp, duck-poo-covered river is no one's life goal. Imagine how awful it would be when you're trying to read a really good bit in your book and some nincompoop goes tromping over the bridge just above your head. It's no wonder trolls are always jumping out and throwing pedestrians off bridges if the pedestrians have no respect for literature and keep interrupting stories like that. Worst of all, trolls hated going to the supermarket and there was no internet shopping back in the olden story days. So the only way they could get food was by eating the pedestrians that tried to walk over their bridge. So you're saying if someone had just brought the troll a box of muesli bars, said Michael, that could have solved the whole problem? Yes, said Nanny Piggins, but then that would make for a very boring story, so we mustn't be too sad. Where was I? Oh, yes. Agnetha and her brothers arrived at the bridge. The brothers were immediately terrified. They were both huge cowards. Now, I want to be clear. I don't want you to think of them badly for this reason. In Hamwell's case, there were plenty of other reasons to think badly of him, but I won't have you judging them too harshly for cowardice. Cowardice gets a very bad rap in stories, particularly in ancient Greek myths, where deranged and irresponsible bravery is highly overrated. In real life, cowardice is actually just common sense. Would you like to confront a horrible, hungry troll? No, of course not. That's just common sense. But Agnetha's love of chocolate cake was so great, she was prepared to overcome her common sense and take on the troll. Hamwell and Horace stood on the bank quaking in fear as their sister boldly approached the river. As she stepped onto the timbers of the bridge, she tried to make as little sound as possible, hoping that the troll might be asleep and not notice her. She took one step, two steps. She was three steps on, beginning to feel very optimistic indeed, when suddenly... A hideously huge, ugly troll leapt onto the bridge in front of her. (gasps) Oh no, wailed Boris. That's what Agnetha thought too, said Nanny Piggins. She'd been so looking forward to the chocolate eclair, and now she had to deal with this instead. I am going to eat you up, declared the troll, which just goes to show how lonely he was. If he was really hungry, he would have just eaten her. But here he was trying to strike up some pre-dinner conversation. Oh, of course, said Agnetha. Of course, asked Samantha. Didn't she scream in fear or beg for her life? No, said Nanny Piggins. She may have been deranged with chocolate cake longing, but she still had good manners. Of course you want to eat me, said Agnetha. I'm sure I'm delicious. I'm so effortlessly good at everything I try. I have no reason to believe I wouldn't excel at being delicious too. But you do look like a hungry fellow who could do with a really good meal. I could, agreed the troll. Well, I'm just a petite little pig, said Agnetha. I'm only four foot tall and I only weigh 30 kilograms. I could barely whet your appetite. You'd be much better off saving yourself for a proper meal. My brother Hamwell will be along in a minute, and he is ten times larger than me. He'll really fill you up. If you eat me now, you won't be able to enjoy him properly. Oh, said the troll, thank you for the tip. Your brother sounds scrumptious. I'll wait for him then. So Agnetha safely crossed over the river and made it to the cake shop. On the opposite bank, Hamwell watched all this with interest. He had his own strategy for getting across. Even though he was a huge coward, he knew he could do it now. 
Hamwell stepped forward onto the bridge, and straight away the troll leapt out. Ah! said the troll. You are the big brother. I am going to eat you up. Oh, of course, said Bramwell. You could do that, but I'm actually the smaller brother. Agnetha and I have an even bigger brother. He'll be along in a moment. You don't want to waste your time on me. He's a much bigger meal. Bigger than you, asked the troll. This was actually quite hard to believe. Hamwell was a very large pig. He was, in fact, wider than he was tall. That's how big he was. Oh, yes, my brother Horace is much, much bigger, said Hamwell. Oh, all right, said the troll. Thanks for letting me know. I'll wait for him then. And so Hamwell was able to cross safely and ran off to the cake shop to be with his sister. Meanwhile, on the bank, Horace was weeping. He'd been so terrified for the safety of his brother and sister that he had blubbered the whole time. Now that he saw they were safely across, he felt much better. But he was still crying because he missed them dreadfully and wanted to be with them again. You see, Horace may have been a big coward, but he had an even bigger heart. He couldn't bear being separated from his family. It was horrible, and he could smell a delicious honey pastry in the bakery. So in a flood of emotion, he ran weeping down to the river and stepped onto the bridge. The troll immediately leapt out and was delighted by what he saw. The other two had not lied. Horace was enormous. He was a ten-foot-tall bear and he weighed 700 kilograms. Hey, said Boris. Not that that's big, said Nanny Piggins. This happened to be Boris's weight as well. And Horace was so athletic, you'd never guess he was a milligram over 695 kilograms. Boris smiled happily at this. When Horace saw the troll, who really was hideous, living under a bridge is dreadful for the complexion. Horace's fear immediately dissolved, and he was filled with pity for this poor, unloved creature. And being a bear of big heart, he lunged forward and gave the troll a great big bear hug. Ah, said the children. They knew from experience, having lived with Boris for several years, that nothing beat a bear hug from an actual bear. But that is where things went horribly wrong, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, said the children. Unfortunately, the civil engineers at the local council had not considered the possibility of a fully grown Kodiak bear and a fully grown troll standing on the small timber footbridge at the exact same moment. The structure was not designed to take that amount of weight. As soon as Horace wrapped the troll in a hug, the timbers beneath their feet snapped and they both fell into the river with an enormous splash. Fortunately, Agnetha was quick-thinking and full of energy, having consumed a vast amount of cake in her short time in the cake shop. She ran out of the shop with her arms full of doughnuts and threw them to her brother to use as flotation devices. Do doughnuts make good flotation devices? asked Michael. They were round, just like flotation devices, but they were made of cake, which was absorbent. We'll never know, said Nanny Piggins, because Horace didn't realise what his sister was doing. When she threw 300 doughnuts at him, he assumed she was just giving him a snack. He caught the doughnuts in his mouth and ate them. But the doughnuts did give him the energy to grab the troll and swim them both safely to the bank. Then together they went to the shop and ate lots and lots of cake. The troll had never realised how much better cake tasted than pedestrians, and now that he had a cake shop right next to his home, he never bothered anyone trying to cross the bridge again. The end. Time for bed. I don't think that's the version of the story my teacher intends to put on, said Michael. Don't worry, said Nanny Piggins. I'll persuade her to see things my way. How? asked Michael. 
I'll bake her a cake, said Nanny Piggins. That ought to do it, said Michael. Nanny Piggins' cakes were so good, they could convince anyone of anything, which is how she managed to get through so many international borders without a passport. And if it doesn't, said Nanny Piggins, I'll get Boris to give her a hug. Then, while she's distracted, I'll put her version of the play in the worm compost. And that is what she did. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's plenty to choose from from across the Friday Barnes, Nanny Piggins and Pesky Kids series. And now there are the audiobooks of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes Girl Detective as well. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time. Goodbye.